Welcome to BimmerCast number 56. It is Monday, October 31st, 2011, and we are back. It's been a few months, but we're back, and we've got a huge show for you. We're going to be recapping a lot of what has been on the site, and we're going to be giving you some sneak peeks into some things that weren't uh, we weren't able to put on the site and some, some of our opinions of what, uh, what you've read out there as well. So going down the list, we're going to be starting with the M5, the new F33 series, Michael is going to be talking about the Active E. I'm going to talk about the six series, the 650 coupon convertible, the uh, the four cylinder Z4, the four cylinder five series. I know Michael's going to be talking about, of course, the F21 series, which uh, he's currently driving. And then we're going to get into some uh, some M news, um, the one M, some opinion on that. Uh, I know Michael's got a lot to talk about with the uh, Frozen edition of the M3. He drove one with all the performance parts. Can't wait to hear about that. And then finally, let's talk about the new. Stay tuned. So, Michael, I know I say this a lot, but we are actually back. It's been months since we've done a show, and I think uh, you and I are separated by an ocean these days, so it's always somewhat difficult to get uh, the schedules aligned, but uh, they have aligned perfectly today. Yeah, it's it's great to be back, and uh, you know we're going to have to have a couple of beers today instead of the usual one. Yes, uh, agreed. Um, I'm actually enjoying an uh, old, old ale. I think it's the Old Coast Ale from Bell's. Huh. And I'm 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 assuming you've got some sort of German brew. Okay. Yeah, the Augustiner Brau from München. Yeah, it's there, good. There you go. <laughs> done and done. So uh, two different parts of the world, but uh, we are united under one flag, and that is to give you all the news and opinion about BMW today. So let's just dive into it. I mean, we got a ton to talk about, but I think the the most from an enthusiast perspective, the new, the new F30 is probably the most, uh, mm, I think it's the biggest new car launch this fall. But I think the one that you and I are most excited about, Michael, is the new M5 because it, it, it really foreshadows a lot of what we'll see down the line in the coming years. And, and Michael, you are lucky enough to say you have driven one. Oh, I've spent some good time in that car and it is ridiculous. Ridiculous, if that's a way to describe a car, but it's uh, it's leaps and bounds better than the outgoing E60 model was. Uh, I love the V10; sounded great. But this new motor is just sensational uh, power, and then more power and a lot of torque. But it all just doesn't end with the engine. To be honest with you, Gabe, the the chassis is so much better sorted, and for a car that weighs as much as it does, which is its big flaw, if you're going to call it a flaw, because it really hides its weight really well. Um, it's it's amazing. It really truly is. What's the what's the curb weight of the new? A lot. Like it's a lot. Is it like forty? <laughs> well, uh, off the top of my head, uh, yeah, I don't actually. We'll have to, if we'll have to get back to that. But it's yeah. it's a big car, and I think that's one of the things that I have personally read a lot about. I mean, you know, great car, but at the end of the day, um, you know, it's it's the biggest M5 clearly ever. <laughs> You see, I think more. See, I think the biggest problem with the M5 is that the 5 Series has grown bigger 
It's not mm. necessarily the weight, to be honest with you. It hides the weight. It doesn't hide the size. Interesting. And 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 that to me is the the bigger difference. Um, it gets the power down really well. They've they've really done a great job with the differential in that car, which, as we know, is tied into the DSC. So it kind of is predictive in in, in certain ways. It and knows we, which way you're going to go. And we had talked about that, that for a while. Yeah. That this this differential, everybody was focusing on that twin turbo V8, which of course is amazing. But that differential is sort of the unsung hero of that car. Yeah, it really, truly is. It gets the power down. I mean, it makes so much torque, that motor, you really need to get the power where it needs to go. Mm-hmm. And uh, the diff really does do that. And the, the brakes are like the size of small pizzas. And uh, they bind really well. And, you know, I, I hate to jump on the marketing bandwagon, but you know how they're pushing the boardroom meeting, push a button, go to the track kind of deal? Yeah. yeah, it really is that kind of car. And it's actually scary how true that really is because in, in many situations sport plus which is throttle response is the highest chassis is the stiffest steering is the firmest mm-hmm. and you turn off all the electronic nannies it's almost not even safe to drive that thing on the road because it is really that fast wow it's, it really is and i think what car and driver just got or road track one of those car and driver and their car and driver typically does there they, they have a pretty no holds bar uh, process of getting zero to 60 times out of cars and they managed a 3.7 second zero to 60. I mean, when I, you know, when I drove the car, I wrote my review and I'm like, this is definitely a sub four car. It really is. And uh 3.7 is faster than I thought it would be, to be honest with you, but it's, yeah. it's not out of the realm. It's really that quick of a car and it's, it's huge. It's a big car. In fact, I mean, if you look at uh, other four doors, um, uh, you know the Panamera, of course, is, is is has the benefit of all-wheel drive. The Panamera Turbo has been clocked at I think three point three, or something along those lines, which of course is just unbelievable. I've seen three point seven. Regardless, you know what BMW has done is they have taken a rear-wheel drive car, and they have managed to get times right around that mark. I mean, three point seven in a five hundred and fifty-plus horsepower car, with only the the rear tires putting power down is is pretty incredible. At some point, you have to think about the limits of adhesion. Yeah, you, you you do. And the other thing with the Panamera is look at the price tag on that thing compared to the M5. True. The M5 is actually a bargain. It's all, What is it, double? Yeah, it's, it's double, exactly. So, I mean, you're really getting similar performance for half the price. And not for nothing, the Panamera is definitely an acquired taste. I could say the M5 is sensational. It looks great. It's... It it's does. a little it's subdued. You know, it's, it's easy subdued. to it's easy to like. I think the previous E60, um, and I mean, I'm right there with you. The V10, the presence of that car, uh, I love it. it. Stops me in my tracks when I see one. But it wasn't easy to like. You may have learned to love it, but it wasn't easy to like. The new the new F10M is uh, handsome, uh, aggressive, muscular, and and just the right kind of subtle. Yes, and the other benefit of the F10M is. They have figured this DCT transmission out, and it is perfect. Hmm. Like you, you take what they did with the M3, and it had some low speed issues, and they've sorted out those low speed issues in the M5. And seriously, it drives. You wouldn't even know there's a dual clutch in there, to be honest oh. with you, unless you put it into the different shift programs. And you know, it, it really it's it's sensational what they've done. And you know, they're taking a lot of. Uh, you know, I spent some time with the M guys and mm-hmm. actually talked to. Uh, Albert Bierman and and Dr. Nitschke a, a, a lot about what they've done with this M5 and they could have done more to the car mm-hmm. but at that same 
point, you know, like I asked why no carbon fiber roof, why no carbon fiber? And they said, well, you have to think about what the market is for this car. And does somebody in this price point and, and this status and, and this level really need a carbon fiber roof? No, they want a sunroof. Right. So when you get a take rate of 97% with a sunroof, you're not going to invest into tooling for a carbon fiber roof. You know, and you kind of understand the business case and, and, and all this. And, um, but the, the biggest thing they're proud of is how they sorted the rear end out and how they developed this mm. whole new system of directly bolting the rear to the chassis. So there's That's no bushings, amazing. there's, there's no bushings, there's nothing. And they, you know, it's, and they're actually able to make the car drive well on smooth roads through other, you know, engineering feats. And for those of you who don't know what that means, basically that's what you do when you have a race car. That is not something you typically do with a road car. No. And usually when you have a race car, I've I've lived with one down the street for a while, is that you, you feel every single bump there is. You beat yourself up. Yeah. You have the road noise coming through the chassis. Mm -hmm. You have the transmission, you have the rear diff hum coming through the chassis and it's just, it's unbearable. And they have figured out a way to sort all that out so that it's extremely quiet. It's, it's unfortunately in the end from the outside of the car, it's loud, it's monstrous, but they've sorted everything out so well. And the car is so well engineered that the cabin is insulated. So they had to use this active sound system, which uses all sorts of microprocessors from the engine and blah, 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 blah. And basically pipes direct sound into the speakers of the car. So let's, let's talk about that for a second, because that is, that is kind of hard to get your head around when you're sort of a quote unquote enthusiast. I like the sound of the engine. Sometimes I keep the windows down. And now you're telling me that M has piped (laughs) sound in artificially into the cabin to in some ways not simulate the engine sound, but to uh, mirror the engine sound so I can actually hear it. Um, we talked about this as as really their response to the fact that the, the 5 Series has become, and I'm, not, I'm talking about not the M5, but the, the car that it's based on, the, the 5 Series has become so uh, such a perfect luxury car that it's utterly quiet inside. Nope. And, and you, you can't drill holes in the firewall. So no. what do you do? Right, and that's where they were left with. You know, they were left with, they have to cater to the, we need a quiet car. We want a five series market and the, we want a sporty enthusiastic car that we want to hear the engine rev and, and all that market. So they came out with a, not a bandaid I'll say, but they came out with a system that works to be honest with you. Um, from the outside of the car, it sounds fantastic. You can sit track side and it just, it roars by you windows down. It roars. You hear it. It's great. It's fantastic. Put the windows up and you wouldn't hear anything because it's based on the five series. So what they did was, you know, basically pipe the exact sound from the engine into the speakers. Hmm. Well, you know, it's so not directly like, shit. it's not like a microphone, but it takes the ECU and, you know, basically they create a, a piano of the engine inside of computer processing, digital processor. And it knows where the engine is, the RPM level, what the sound will be on the outside. So, I mean, use their microphones. They did all sorts of stuff to basically make a, a system to get this accurate. It's like exactly what the engine would sound like and that's what they pipe in so it's it's pretty cool and many people won't realize that but it's also on the z4 game yes uh it is true on well and and if i remember right the previous z4 had an actual pass-through some sort of valve that opened to allow sound in 
Yes. The news in four does this, but much more subtly though, right? With, yes, with... it's less, it's less aggressive. Yes. So, so here's the question I have, and I mean, and this is the last we'll talk about the M5 because we have a lot to talk about it, but what happens when I, when I plunk down uh, 10 grand for the Acropovic exhaust and the sound of the car changes on the outside, does the computer somehow reflect that? I don't believe so because they, they tune this interior system to the harmonics of the actual car's exhaust. So the next question is, how can we start to hack it? Hack, hack, the, hack the boss? I have no idea, Gabe, but that is definitely something somebody will figure out. And it'll probably be acropovic, to be honest. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. Or they'll figure out a way to cut, do something. But yeah, no, it's 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 interesting. Um, I, I would be opposed to it if, if we're driving a four-cylinder car mm-hmm. and you're piping an eight-cylinder music. But if you're piping the exact note coming out the exhaust, I'm okay with it, to be honest with you. Because cars have gotten so damn quiet, it's ridiculous. It, as long as there's, there's a there's there's a, most of it or all of it is is sort of based in truth, if you will, then I'm fine with it. Yes. Yeah. Truth. Let's let's move on because we've got a ton to talk about. Um, the biggest, the most important uh, new car for BMW this decade is the F30 3 Series. No question about it. This is a car that BMW is going to make a lot of money on. It's going to sell a lot of cars based on it. It's going to it's going to have race series and race cars based off of this car for years and years to come. In 20 years, a 16-year-old is going to lust after a used one. I mean, on and on and on. A 3 Series is part of the fabric of car culture. And anytime a new one comes out, it is a big, big deal. And Michael, a couple weeks ago, you happened to see the uh, the tarp go off the F30 and actually see it in person. We've seen photos of it. Um, what do you think? Uh, I was lucky enough to to see it a few months back as well. Uh, at least the the front fascia of it with the headlights and and, and all that. I, I didn't get to see the rear lines, but um, when when I saw it, I, I thought the real the headlights were spectacular then, and I still think they are now. I think it's something that people are going to have to realize this is this is an evolutionary product. It's mm-hmm. not something that's completely revolutionary as far as the body line goes. Uh, but the front grille becoming three-dimensional and you actually seeing it emerge out of the car and, and the headlights coming to the middle, it's, it's very aggressive, and it also makes the car seem uh, more composed and wider. It does look wider. Quite a bit. It, it, it does, and and that was their you know that was their goal with uh, designing the car. And a lot of people say it looks like a five series. Um, well, it does in some aspects. I mean, it's definitely more wedge shaped. I mean, but when you look the, at the, if you look at the silhouette, though, I think it's classic three series. It is, and, and that's, that's that's exactly the point. It's it's definitely more wedge shape, which the five series is more of a wedge, and then the three series becomes a significant more of a wedge. So I, I, I got to spend some time with uh, Adrian Van Dunk talking about the, the car in general. You know, we were just shooting, shooting the breeze, not really doing a formal interview. And um, we were just talking and he's saying, you know, I asked him, I said, well, people are going to complain that the car looks too much like the 5 Series. And he's like, no, it's BMW. It looks like the family. It's like you take the 7 Series and it has, you know, the typical Hoffmeister kink and you have the kidney grills and it's it's a bigger car it's like you know it's like the parent mm-hmm. and then and then you have the the 5 series which might be you know a, a, an older sibling and then you have the 3 series which is the typical you know athletic family member and you know 
it's a mainstay. Everything mm -hmm. in that car is in every other BMW. You have the Hoffmeister kink, you have the, the twin kidney grills, and actually, you know, they've gone back to the L-shaped rear taillights on the 3 Series. Yeah, but, um, interesting. Yeah, and it looks really great in person. Um, I can't really go into, I'm not a real design person, you know that. I'm more into function. And the interior to me is the biggest departure from it the is. E90. And it's huge. And well, it's a let, huge difference. Let's talk about that because, I mean, so from a design person, I can tell you that uh, I find this car fascinating. And when I say that, I don't mean it's beautiful and I don't mean that I immediately love it. I find it interesting and I, I can't stop looking at it every time I, I, I see a photo online. I have to study it a little bit more because there's a lot of, there's a lot of sort of new tension in the front that hadn't been there before in, in, in the design. And I think the design language has been uh, subtly tweaked uh, to, to be, to, to really, I mean, and I'm talking specifically about the headlights to sort of feature something that's new to BMW. But, but outside of that, I mean, you know, totally agree. You get around the back and I mean, this feels like the next generation three series. Uh, it yeah, feels so, sort of yeah. like you knew it. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, um, Adrian said that the, the purpose of the headlights, they're supposed to look squinted, you know, like your like the car is actually focusing on what's ahead of it. Mm. This was the whole design premise of it. it. They wanted to take what an athlete does before like running a race or taking a ski jump. And, you know, you kind of squint your eyes and you're, you're looking ahead and you're not angry, but you're focusing on what is ahead of you. And they took that concept and they, and they put it in the three series and they also wanted to show the grill uh, as being three-dimensional, mm -hmm. as, you know, almost like the inside of the car is just rushing forward. I love and, it. And I, I will say that the uh, the black, the BMW Performance black grill will look particularly good on this car. Oh, sure. Absolutely. And, you know, I think a lot of the design features of this car were, that was already kind of taken into consideration mm -hmm. with this car. Well, and let's talk about that for a second, because I think um, we've got we've got a lot to talk about within the interior of this car, but the 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 M Sport kit on this car looks fantastic. It does, and it's going to foreshadow what you're going to see on the M3 mm -hmm. somewhat. Um, the M3 will obviously be more aggressive, but they you know they're using the air curtain in every single front on this car. But um, yeah, no, the the M Sport kit looks really oh, so there really is great. an air curtain actually on the side of it because it doesn't look like there is. Yeah, every every bumper, every one of these itinerations, you have the luxury, yeah. uh, modern. So it just kind of sort of snuck in there a little bit. It's it's definitely snuck in there. It drops a 0.01 drag coefficient for every for every car, um, and it was definitely a key feature for the design process. And uh, just just to jump in there real quick about the exterior with these lines. In the U.S., you'll not see any of the marker plates distinguishing which line it is on the front uh, fender. When you say it, line, it will... you mean modern, luxury, and sport. Yes. So you will not see any discriminating features on the car. So they won't be labeled like you're driving a sport model. There's not going to be the little badge on the front. Um, it'll be just smoothed out. Um, and the U.S. will also see the orange reflectors in front of the wheels in the front, mm -hmm. just like as in the 5 Series. Okay, but yeah. you will be able to order. I could walk into a BMW dealership and say, I want the three series and I want the modern package. Yeah, absolutely. It just will not, like in Europe, it'll say modern on the front fender. It'll in just be US. reflected in, in the options. And, and yes. frankly, the I mean, the unique fascia. Yes, every car will have a different fascia. Yeah, it's, I just it, looked, I just found, uh, I just saw that for the first time. I just saw your, um, what you were referencing, the, uh, 
the side curtains. One thing, or the air curtains, one thing I don't see, and please correct me if I'm wrong, because I hope I am, are brake ducts. No, there's no brake ducts. Wow. No, and honestly, there doesn't need to be any more. What they learned with the M3 is they can actually design the aero kit to channel air through without having to actually have a tube. Um, they do a lot of a lot of air tunnel testing, and they can create a vortex that will shoot out through the wheel by just changing the aero. If you look at the front front bumper, especially on the M Sport model, you'll see how it dips down, and then mm -hmm. they kind of there's a cutout there, mm -hmm. and that actually will channel air in. And they've actually, just like an airplane wing, have the ability to suck air up and through around. It's it's really quite cool how they do it, and they use the rolling wind tunnel in Munich to, uh, to design all these now. So the, the question I have then is, I mean, so no brake ducts, which um, kind of a shame because that was always a nice thing to point to. Um, but there's certainly spaces for extra air for, for uh, what ultimately will be radiators for the, uh, for the 335 edition. Um, let's talk about, I mean, lots of talk about this car. Let's talk about the inside because I think you're right. The inside is the biggest departure. And wow, I, I, I cannot believe that BMW went this aggressive with the bread and butter product. Yeah, it's it's kind of awestruck actually. I was awestruck when I saw it because I knew we, we gave we've known for a while they were going to use a lot of the guts from the X3 and also obviously the F21 series. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. But um, I didn't think they were going to go so so aggressively with the packaging. To be honest well, with you, yeah, and I mean I think so. Number one. Every 3 Series gets a screen. Not a shock for those who follow BMW because the 1 Series now has a screen. Every single 1 Series comes with a screen. Yes. And it's, and, it's, and it's absolutely required given the functionality and, well, I mean, frankly, just the amount you can, the amount you can do and need to do within the system. You, you need a screen. So what BMW has done is they made the screen float. It doesn't look like it should retract. It doesn't retract. It just sits there. And... And that way, you can have different sizes of screens depending on if you have navigation or not. And the car doesn't—it doesn't look out of place. So there's not a gaping hole with a tiny screen, like as in a five series, for instance. Yes. The other thing that's really interesting about this—I mean, number one, the design of it—I I like a lot. I really do. Um, the the shifter is actually—it's almost—it almost harkens back to an older generation of almost the E30, the way it wraps around and just the shape of it. But, but the, uh, the dash, the way it feels like it drips over and behind the navigation system is uh, kind of shocking at first. It's very layered. Everything, you know, looks like it's kind of uh, added on top of one another. Mm -hmm. And depending on the line, you know, if you if you opt, you can opt for a base model, which isn't a line, and you can kind of spec it how you want. But the lines will feature different characteristics that a normal BMW wouldn't. Basically, what these lines do is allow BMW to tap into BMW individual and provide huge packaging features that they wouldn't otherwise be able to mm -hmm. offer, which is pretty sensational. Um, some of the trims are really interesting in person and. Um, now, I think when people see the, the for example, the three-dimensional wood on the modern line, they're going to be a little, a little awestruck. But at the same time, it's really, it, it's really cool. Um, it's a really neat. Yeah. No, it looks really neat. Looks thing. fantastic. 
Yeah, and you know, you have a lot of people that are going to say, well, I don't want a blue stripe across my dash if I get the M Sport. Well, M Sport's only going to be available in three colors. Sport really? Cap, yeah, Sport Pack. Yeah, it's going to be red, but you can only get the Sport Pack in like four colors, and it's all going to look great with red. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. you can build a base car with the Sport's suspension and things like that, sure, but is it going to be a sport-equipped car? No, it's not. Um, Interesting. Yeah, so they're, they're kind of fine-tuning where they want people to go with colors and packaging and, and all that. Sure, they're giving you some restraint, but you can also build a car anywhere you'd like. You just don't get some of the cool features, for example, like the three-dimensional wood is only available on the modern line. That's really interesting. You know, and the gauge clusters are a little different. Um, yeah, I noticed that. On, you know, the, and, and some of the programming inside the iDrive, like the sport model will come up with the, uh, in the U.S. will say horsepower and, and foot pounds. But I think torque. that's fantastic. Like, I mean, this is the kind of stuff that specifically within, I, I think, specifically within that navigation system, within that infotainment, like I want some differentiation. You know, I want to be able to tailor my car and I want to have something that feels special. So I, I think it's great. I'm all for it. Yeah, no, I think it's great too. Um, you know, not to, not to switch subjects, but... For example, with the, the F21 series, you can get a sport or an urban edition. And mm -hmm. the interior lighting on those cars is a different color. Mm -hmm. The gauge clusters are a different color. So it, it's just, it separates them enough, you know, keeps them the same, but separates them enough to give them a little bit differentiation. And it, it's kind of nice. I mean, it's definitely, mm -hmm. everybody has a different personality and you, you kind of can get the car you want. So the last thing I want to talk about is that incredible M Sport steering wheel. We're going to get the M Sport steering wheel in the U.S. We are. Yes, hundred percent sure on that. Yes. Awesome. We will. We will not see those seats. We will not see any of the leather cloth seats in the U.S. So we'll get the standard. I mean, it's just the normal sort of like either leatherette or leather. Leatherette or leather. There's no yeah. cloth. No partial cloth. No none of that. There's leather or there's leatherette, and that's All that's right. it for the U.S. There we are. So, so the steering wheel on the M Sport is a go. Yeah, and that, and that thing is awesome. Again, very modern, but a, a bit of a retro aesthetic from a shape perspective. Love it. Yes. Absolutely love it. So uh, also, one last thing, a return to four and gauges. On the return series. to four gauges. Yeah, pretty cool. Pretty mm -hmm. cool. And just, just to chime in real quick about the M-Sport. M-Sport will also be given um, fixed piston calipers. I wanted to ask about that. So, yes. so let's, yeah. So the M sport, there's, there's, um, they're Brembo's very similar to, you know, the current offerings of, um, Brembo and Brembo is actually gearing up now for a full, uh, new factory launch, which, mm. uh, the brakes for the three series will be from there. They expecting a huge take rate on that. It's going to be available as an option as well. Uh, so you can actually, I think if you get a sport car, you can upgrade the brakes to the M sport brakes. Okay. And they will also be the same as the BMW Performance brakes, which will be later introduced. Which are obviously, sort of, yeah, aftermarket. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That is awesome. I mean, I love the fact that I can upgrade my brakes from the factory. What a great! I think option. it's a. I think it's a great idea. What a great option! Cool. Uh, very exciting. Very exciting. And we will be talking much more about the F30, and we're going to be talking about um, actually the uh, the drive that we're going to be going on. Uh, well, I shouldn't say well, that. Well, but... you shouldn't say that because <laughs> I, I don't know if we're going. Oh, really? I'm just kidding, Kate. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, yes, we are, and we're going to be there with with uh, with bells on our on our shoes and 
can't wait to drive this car. I cannot wait actually to get in this car and just sort of feel the interior around me because it looks fantastic. Well, that and the chassis is supposed to be like 20 some odd percent stiffer than the E90, which I think is just mind bending. Yeah, the E90 is a fantastic car too. So let's move on. A lot to talk about still. Let's talk, give me a very brief, because we're going to, we're going to read this review on um, BF really soon, but give me a really brief sort of sneak peek of the Active E one series, the one series electric car. Okay, Active V has been uh, basically 40 years in the making. Yeah, yeah, 40 years. Um, BMW's first electric car was in the 1970s during the Munich Olympics to escort and follow around the marathon runners. And um, BMW hasn't really released a car that was fully electric until now. The Mini E, I don't consider a BMW product because it was wearing the Mini badge and smart of them to do that since that Mini E was basically an outsourced powertrain with a big giant battery pack in the back which is used for computer um, batteries, laptop batteries. But the Active E is completely ground up BMW, started with a 1 Series, uses a BMW developed uh, electric motor and a BMW co-developed battery pack, Uh, actually three battery packs, uh, one in the tunnel one where the engine and the combustion engine would be, and then uh, one in the rear above the uh, where the gas tank would be. Hmm. So it's really, really interesting. Um, obviously, it's still a piecemeal. It's not designed from the ground up as an electric vehicle. They're using a combustion chassis, so there are some shortcomings, uh, weight being number one. Mm-hmm. But basically what it is is foreshadowing what the i3 will be because it's the i3's drivetrain. And... You know, what they kept saying was subtract, you know, 1,200 pounds basically from this car and that's what the i3 is going to be. And if you subtract 1,200 pounds from the Active E, it's going to be fun. Wow. It'll be fun. And, uh, you know, no hiccups. It's just typical, typical electric car feel regen when you let off the throttle, Mm -hmm. um, the accelerator pedal and all that. It's one pedal driving. It is much better sorted than the Mini E. I've driven the Mini E. And to me, the Redren was way too aggressive. Yeah, and I couldn't agree more, having driven the Mini E as well. I mean, it's an interesting car, but uh, way too aggressive. I mean, you had to relearn how to drive. Yeah, you really did. And, and, you know, the other thing with the Mini being front-wheel drive, there's a ton of torque steer. You don't have that problem. Mm -hmm. It's rear-wheel drive. It's fantastic. Front wheels are there doing what they're supposed to do, steer, and the back is pushing. So you don't have to worry about any of that. And um, in a nutshell, you, it, it's a very well-sorted car, and I'm, I'm very excited for the i3, actually, um, to be honest with you, because uh, I think BMW really did their homework and took what the Mini E uh, testers were telling them, and they really learned from it, which is huge. Uh, like they, for example, not to go into this too much, but there's a coast feature now with the accelerator pedal with the Mini E, it was either you're on the throttle, you know, on power mm-hmm. or off power when it goes to regen. Right. And with the Active E, they've actually programmed in you can coast using the pedal. You couldn't do that at all before with the the Mini E, and Absolutely, you need to yeah. coast. I mean, you're yeah. going down a hill, you want to coast, so you can do that now. And um, all the connective drive features are really great. You know, the ability to tell how much charge you have in your car before you get into it. You know, to make sure it's plugged in right. Mm-hmm. You can adjust the temperature of the cabin before you know while it's plugged in and all that great I, i'm i'm actually was pleasantly surprised at how well sorted this car is awesome moving on very quickly we're going to talk about uh, a ton of 
a ton of stuff, uh, including the 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 one M, the M three, the maybe even the new M three. But but first, we want to recap a little bit about what we haven't talked about on the on the podcast since it's been so long. And first up, the 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 trip I took to Monterey for uh, what they call um, Motor Week out there was uh, was pretty incredible for a lot of reasons. Uh, I got to drive a CSL seventy two CSL. Um, up and down Carmel Valley road, uh, which was unfair. Uh, yeah. And, and, and read about it on, on Bimmer file. Um, there's a, there's a review of that car and I, I don't even know what to say. It's, <clears throat> it's an incredible car. Um, in addition to that, I got to drive an E 28 M five up Pacific coast highway to Monterey, which was also a lot of fun. And uh, the Z428 I four cylinder as well, and and you kept that on the road, right? I I did. I didn't go. I didn't uh, go off the road uh, and crash. Um, so that that's a uh, you know feather in my cap. But uh, the 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 28i of course denotes a two liter four cylinder, aka the N20, which is going to be everywhere in the BMW world. The very first car, of course, was the Z4. The second is the 5 Series, which I know, Michael, you've you've driven. My quick reaction to the car um, fits really well with the Z4. Uh, feels a little lighter. Uh, it's 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 a it's a nimble car. They still haven't fixed the steering in that car, which is a shame. The IS feels great. The non-IS does does not, frankly. But the the sound the engine makes is great. The the the, the torque and the power is much more than you'd expect out of a four cylinder. It's rated at 240, but in reality, because you have so much torque right from the get-go, it feels faster than the previous inline six. And uh, as as character goes, it's got a ton of character. It's got a raspy throttle note, um, and it's quick to rev. I, you can't really fault the thing. And if if BMW is telling me that that they're replacing the the, the venerable uh, inline six, the low end inline six with this engine, which gets much much better gas mileage, I. I've got to be pretty happy about it as a potential buyer. I would agree wholeheartedly after my experience in the, in the five series. And, uh, it's quite nicely at home in the five series. And I think it might even be a better fit than in, in that car because you need the torque to move the mass, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's true. So it, it actually feels much better than the outgoing 528 does. I, I the only thing I'm going to miss from the outgoing 528 or the, the inline six, the N52 motor, as it were, is that you know it just was turbine like it was it's so smooth, smooth right? you yeah. know and and that's that's going to be missed sure but the um, the new four cylinder turbo is phenomenal I, I one of the magazines I believe just tested or somebody did and threw it on a dyno and it was like two hundred and thirty at the wheels mm -hmm. so that's <laughs> way yeah it's, it's, yeah it, it it felt that way I'm I'm not sure how how it was for you but it felt like two forty was pretty pretty conservative. Yeah, I, I would I would agree wholeheartedly with that. And the fuel economy is fantastic, and they're able to build in all those new "quote unquote" efficient dynamics characteristics. Sure, start stop, start stop, eco pro mode. Which uh, I don't want to take up too much time explaining that, but it's a pretty neat thing. Um, it kind of uh, lightens the, the the pedal accelerator a little bit, mm -hmm. so we, we have to push a little further to go a little faster, and it lessens the the cooling and the heating and the fans and all the defroster stuff. And, uh, it basically becomes a pat on the back for driving more efficiently. It gives you like, you're, you've just earned yourself a, a gallon and a half of fuel. Mm -hmm. Um, it, it's, it's kind of interesting. It's, it's kind of reteaches you how to drive. And I give BMW some props for actually throwing that in there Absolutely. For, for all those people that are green. Um, 
I think it's a good thing for them. And, uh, you know, for what it's worth, it, it works. Mm -hmm. It definitely teaches you how to be a little bit lighter on the accelerator. I still put it in sport, but whatever, that's me. I'm not going to, yeah, I was going to say, like, I, I, I do too. I mean, there's, there's just, there's no way. Life's, the life's too day. short to drive slow. <laughs> Couldn't agree more. Could not agree more. So we've got, we've got the, uh, the four cylinder, the N20 down. Let's talk about the other end of the spectrum. I, during my time out of Monterey, there was one car that I had as sort of my, my daily transport. And that was a 650 coupe M sport. And, you know, I come with, with a little bit of baggage around the six series as you do too, Michael. I know I hate the six series, the, except now I do not. Yeah. So I was the same way. So, you know, previous six series, not a fan, even, even the E24, which is a great car. Well, I'm going to call it a good car. I've always preferred the E28, the five series more. I liked the way it drove. Um, I liked sort of the, the character of the car a little bit more, uh, which is unusual for me. I love two doors. So, well, and the, and the E28 only lasted, what, seven years? And the E24 was there for like three decades or something? <laughs> so, well, yeah. I mean, it was, yeah. I mean, it, anyway, the, 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 new, the new 6 Series um, really, really blows my, blew my expectations away because my expectations were this is the car that a dentist buys when he wants to buy a BMW. And what BMW has done with the coupe, they took the convertible, which, which we're going to have a review up on, on Bimmer file very, very shortly. They took the convertible. In fact, we already have one, Michael, you've driven it, which is a good car. The convertible, you know, is, is the yeah. best convertible six series ever made because it's the first, no, the second, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's a great big convertible. It's, it's really wonderful. And then the coupe, they made, they made a coupe out of it. They actually made a car that liked to go around corners and, and, and liked to be sort of manhandled. And it's and even the manual transmission in the coupe feels good. And, and I'm shocked by that because it does not, same engine, manual transmission in the 550 does not feel as good. Hmm. The interior of the coupe is exactly what you want it to be, luxurious, very personal. And an M Sport guy is very, very sporty. Uh, it, I could not get over the fact that that this is absolutely one of the best cars I've ever driven, like full stop. And I would say that it is faster than an M3 in most situations. The 650? Yeah, 650. Well, we can we can actually elaborate on that a little bit, Gabe. I had the privilege of uh, driving a 640 coupe which will be soon to enter the U.S., which is based on the N55, and it is a 320 horsepower uh, output. And uh, I was driving with um, an M3 as well, uh, an E92. And I can tell you wholeheartedly that on the highway, starting out at a nice rolling speed from approximately 60 miles an hour, and we were in an unlimited Autobahn area, so we can go as fast as we want. The 640, the 640, mind you, not the 650, which you drove, the 640 will keep up with the M3 until 120 miles an hour. Wow. No joke. It was kind of eye-opening. That's At 120, the M3 takes off. That's a little shocking. Yes. And uh, I, I had the ability to drive that over the Timeljok Pass, which goes between uh, Austria and and Italy. And I will tell you that I have a newfound love for the 6 Series. It actually, um, it's, it's sensational. And that, that 640 motor actually blew my my mind to be honest with you. Well, and that's the N55 turned up just a notch. 
tweaked up a notch. So the mm-hmm. 650 is even, you know, even more ridiculous. So well, and, and the 650 has that wonderful twin turbo V8. I mean, again, it's a, it's a big V8. We know that engine well, uh, but made it with that eight speed automatic. Unbelievable how good that eight speed is. And I mean, if you listen to the show, you know that we're not fans of automatics, but as torque converting automatics go, I cannot imagine one getting any better than this. Mated with that with that uh, V8, um, I mean it, it's it's untouchable. The manual transmission feels great, surprisingly so in that car. But I have to tell you, I if I was if I was ready to throw down about 100k on a, on a big coupe, um, it'd probably be the auto. Yeah, I would definitely agree with you on that. The the 8 HP from ZF uh, locks up at idle. <laughs> so, Unbelievable. I mean, it's, as far as a torque converter goes, it's it's fully locked at idle. So, I mean, you can skip shift gears. You can go from 6th to 3rd. You can go wherever you want, and it's there. I mean, it's boom, done. It's as quick as the DCT. Um, it's, a, it's a great transmission. And, you know, if you don't have 100K to drop, I drop it on the 640. <laughs> And, and I, I kind of you can agree. get you you can get all the same options. It's just a different motor. I kind of and agree. It, I mean, again, not, not I haven't driven it, but I mean, on principle, um, I like that that twin tur or that I shouldn't say twin tur- twin charge inline six uh, as an engine, both from a performance and an efficiency standpoint, and frankly, a packaging standpoint. Uh, it's a lighter engine, even with even with everything that surrounds it, and. I like I like the less is more mentality, even when you're talking about a ninety thousand dollar coupe. Um, it's a great it's a great great engine, and it, and it suits it suits almost any car in BMW's arsenal very well. So six series, um, and and again, I mean, you know, we 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 love BMW here, obviously, but we're not afraid to call a spade a spade, and we've done that in the past. But they nailed it. I mean previous one they did not this one they did oh yes yes absolutely what are we up to now gabe so we've got and we're just knocking them down right now because let's talk about the f1 the f21 series this is a car that i have not seen in the flesh um obviously isn't over in the u.s because it's going to be uh unavailable until we get the coupe but michael you not only have driven the 120d you are actually driving the 118d as a daily driver yes so yes. I would love and to hear, that's, and, and that's coming thoughts. from a 120D M Sport Sport Edition. Was it E82? I don't know anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, the uh, yeah E82 five door. Yeah, the four, five door hatch for uh, F20, uh, 118D and 120D um, Sport model, and uh, it, it's. It, how do I how do I word this eloquently? It's different. The styling is definitely an acquired taste. Um, I'm not necessarily a fan of the way it looks yet. Still on the outside, the headlights really bother me. Um, but on the inside, it's great. It's much bigger than the previous model. The fit and finish is significantly better. The dash is all soft touch materials, uh, where your leg actually brushes against the center console. There's padding there now. And it's actually soft touch padded, which is pretty cool. Uh, uses a lot of the same electronics as the new 3 Series will, and that's come from the X3, basically. And has a floating floating screen, the nav system. And the cool thing now is that the 1 Series gets all the gadgetry minus night vision. So lane, incredible. Depart- lane departure, you know, all that stuff. Even the cameras? Yeah, even the cameras. Wow. Yeah. 
yeah, a backup camera, all that great stuff. Yeah, wow. the backup camera works really well. The dash, um, the gauge cluster has the LCD at the bottom, just like the 5 Series does. Mm. You know, the 7 Series did. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the cool thing in Europe is, is if you get the package, which um, includes this feature, I can't think off the top of my head what it is, but it's part of the connected drive. Basically, there's a camera for the uh, high beam sensor, uh, so or my high beams go on and all that, but it actually reads the speed limit signs, mm-hmm. and it comes up in the LCD. So you don't really need to pay attention to signs anymore. Your speed limit is in is in the LCD on the on the dash. Wow! So you know if you're in a hundred k zone, a fifty k zone. Yeah, that's it's awesome. great. Actually, that is that is a really nice feature. That's something that I've I've been kind of hoping we would see eventually. Yeah, I mean, it's rumored from sources deep within um, BMW, uh, it's rumored to be launching very in the near future in the U.S. The problem has been is that the U.S. doesn't have standardized signs. So a speed limit Mm -hmm. sign in one state is not necessarily the same as the other state. And you're on an interstate, it could be different than that. You know, all the signs are different. And in the U.S., like you go around a turn, you have one of those great yellow signs with a recommended speed limit. Mm Mm-hmm. Europe, you don't have that. You can drive around and turn 100 miles an hour, and you crash. It's your own fault. You're an idiot. Um, I like the I like the uh, the idea of a recommend. I think all speed limits are, are recommended speed limits, personally. Yeah, sure, sure. But um, they they've had to do some reprogramming and you know recalibrating and teaching the system, and it takes some time to drive around the U.S. Let's just put it that way to get the system to to do what it's got to do. But it is eventually going to make it to the U.S. And uh, I have mm-hmm. a feeling it'll be there sooner than later. Awesome. So F20, uh, so far so good. Yeah, no, it's, it's, everywhere? it's everywhere. I mean, it's, it's bigger on the inside. Mm-hmm. It's lighter. It drives better. Um, you're, th- there's no comparison. And you know what this means for the U S is you're never going to see the hatch in the U S that's obvious. Yeah. But what, what it does mean is that the next generation coupe and the, the two series as it were Mm -hmm. and the m2 that's going to come off of that is going to be sensational because it's starting with a really great product it It, it is a better it is a better product it's a my my as a 1m owner my hope is that it's just a little bit more grown up than what we've had because i love the the audaciousness of what's in my garage but i can't help but think that no matter what that car is how fast it is under the hood whatever um it's going to be a much better place to just live, you know, to sort of live with day to day and much better place to, to sit in. Yeah. Materials are much better. Ergonomics are much better. Mm-hmm. Everything is just, you know, something that hasn't, was, wasn't designed, you know, right. a decade ago. Right. So let's, let's move on. We've got a couple more things. Before we get into the M stuff, let's talk about this 3 Series versus 4 Series because we, we've talked about this ad nauseum. I mean, we, just, we just mentioned the, the next generation 1 Series Coupe is going to be the 2 Series. BMW has for years and years and years toyed with this notion of making the, the 3 Series Coupe and convertible a 4 Series. And we've theoretically sort of gotten some winks and head nods about this in the past year or so saying that yes we are going to move the three series coupe and convertible to the four series nomenclature but now michael we're hearing something different yes uh i yes um the same individual that notified me well before the three series launch that bmw was going to do lines very similar you know and we knew the lines months in advance is the same individual that um 
happened to tell me that BMW will not be necessarily moving the coupe to the 4 Series, but there will be a 4 Series, and that will encompass the convertible, the grand coupe, and possibility of another product after that. And not necessarily moving the coupe to the 4 Series. The coupe may remain a 3 Series. Interesting. And I haven't been able to co corroborate this yet, so that's why I'm still considering this a rumor. I consider the source extremely reliable for me. And um, a lot of the reasoning was, was for the A, the U.S. market. If you come out with a 4 Series in the U.S. market, um, it's going to be a little bit of a money bender to launch the product. I mean, mm -hmm. you're going to convince people that this new 4 Series isn't a 5 GT, for example. Mm -hmm. And when you start racing cars, BMW just sunk a boatload of money into DTM, and they're racing an M3 again in DTM in 2012. Which is the Germany. E92, I might add, which is going on a production in well, 2013. Yes. So it will run for two years. It will be racing in 2012 and 2013. And then for 2014, they're going to race an M4 and start a whole new marketing campaign around racing M4s. I mean, BMW has a history of racing at the M3. And mm -hmm. if you go and change things, and what are they going to call the the M product of the 4 Series Coupe and M3? I mean, that doesn't necessarily yeah, work. It doesn't take long for your eyes. It's just so you know there's there's a lot of yeah exactly there's a lot of ice crossing and um <laughs> and so the this this source told me just you know that the three series coupe will be the three series coupe and that the four series will start with the convertible because the convertible has always been a more upscale product to begin with mm -hmm. the grand coupe version of the four series will be more upscale product and the way they can differentiate the coupe from the sedan is giving it a completely different look, not necessarily using the same design style, and also using different engines. So if you upscale an engine and say you make a coupe a 340 and a 330 versus a 328 sedan and a 335 sedan, you've already upmarketed the coupe. Because if you don't have a 330, if you don't have a 340 sedan and you have a 340 coupe, the coupe is going to cost more money. So that's you know that's something to keep an eye on. I mean, we have twelve to eighteen months um, out with the coupe and the convertible. We're looking at probably two two and a half years still. Convertible will live on a little bit longer, um, as one of our commenters noted that they were considering making the convertible a fabric top again because the U.S. market wants it to be a fabric top, and uh, Germany has said uh, no. We're keeping the hard top. So strange. That is so weird. Well, they can sell more here. <sighs> yeah, interesting. And Germany's still the bigger market, real realistically, mm -hmm. money-wise. I mean, yeah, U.S. moves more cars, but at what cost? Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Well, um, that leaves us with a bunch of M's. So, the one M we don't spend much time. I think you've you've stated it pretty clearly, and I I, I stated it in a, in a comment as well. But the one M was recently criticized by somebody from. I believe it was Motor Trend about not turning in brakes warping all sorts of th different problems and and I was I was shocked just as sort of somebody who I mean somebody who has has driven Laguna Seca which was the track that, that he was on and driven a one M around Laguna Seca um, among other tracks because all of what he had mentioned either I didn't experience at all or I did, but it was, it was pretty minimal and it was easily overcome. So it seemed like he was going out of his way 
to make a huge issue out of something that shouldn't shouldn't have been. And Michael, I know you had you had gone a little bit further in your your uh, your thoughts on that. Yeah, I had some significant issues. I've learned about this way um, before it was published, and uh, I actually undo a debate with uh, an individual from the publication about this, and uh, I wanted to kind of learn exactly how this occurred and all that behind it, because like you, Gabe, I didn't experience that out. And to be honest with you, you know what, maybe his 10 tenths is equivalent to my 7 tenths, whatever. Whatever that may be, it's still, you know, you're not driving a freaking race car. It's a completely different level when you're driving a car that doesn't have a cage in it, doesn't have a, a racing suspension, you're not driving on, eight, you know, AP racing brakes and all that crap. So. You know what? You're still driving a streetcar, and to me, um, the fact that the brakes warped didn't make any sense. Um, considering this individual drove the same track with an M3, which is heavier, uh, which we all know, Gabe, the M3 and the 1M use the same exact brakes. So how could you warp brakes on a 1M, which is lighter? And you didn't warp brakes on an M3. You know, it just sent up a lot of red flags to me. So I started doing some more digging and I learned some very interesting things. And, you know, I read the magazine. I respect the drivers. I respect what they're doing. I understand what they're doing. Um, I can't drive like them. and That's fine. But at the same time, I just can't put any faith into what I read. And I'll stick to what I wrote and what you wrote. And uh, that, that, that's my take on that. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Could not agree more. So let's let's move on pretty quickly to another M product, the M3, and and, and you've got uh, you've had the, the distinct pleasure of driving uh, an M3 Frozen Edition with every uh, I believe it was every available M performance option you could have through was it the Alps? Um, yes, the Alps. It was um, it was I call it the Evil Edition. It's 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 not the Frozen Edition. It's the Evil Edition. The looks that I had had been given driving this car through small German villages and small Austrian villages was just like I was the devil and I was driving this noisy, rackety car. But um, yeah, it definitely turns heads and in Munich, you get a lot of thumbs up driving this thing. And then elsewhere, they, they didn't really appreciate the sound coming out of it. And I swear, Gabe, if it was winter, I would have started avalanches because you could hear the booming echo mm -hmm. of the V8 down the valleys. Like literally you stop and you can just still hear it going. It was, it was pretty ridiculous. Um, it was a lot of fun. Uh, the one thing I will come away with it is that the exhaust on this particular car that I had, the M performance exhaust, which I reviewed earlier uh, last winter in a uh, tester in the U S was um, that there was this spot in the, uh, in the rev range here in Germany where it kind of got irritating um, because the, I, I almost feel like the exhaust was tuned in the US not to have drone, mm -hmm. but here being no speed limit and you can go a little faster and you can do some, some more stuff, where I was cruising at was the, the drone range. And uh, it literally drove me nuts. Really? Yes, yeah. And then so I had to either speed up and, you know, do well over what I should safely be doing. And, mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah, no, it was, otherwise it's great. I mean, everything else is fantastic. You know, carbon fiber splitter, carbon fiber this, every, everything looks great, car's great. Um, the one thing I can tell you is that that matte paint gets dirty within three minutes of driving. So. Even in black. 
Oh, even worse than Black Eve. It is just dis- you drive it down the street, it picks up dust, and it looks like you you, you ran through a uh, a factory for drywall. Hmm. So, yeah, and you can't wash it. Right, right. So it, it, it literally looks like you have a chalkboard with dust all over it. So, um, oh, there you go. Yeah, it was interesting. So but, uh, I love the car, though. Obviously, and through the Alps, it handles like a dream. It's it's fantastic. The gas mileage is absolutely abysmal when you're doing 100 miles an hour as your average speed. It's it's not very good on fuel. <laughs> hmm. um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what would be really. Well, I can tell you that the 118D does very well with 100 miles an hour as your average. Well, let me let me say this. I know what would be better would be a. A forced induction M3. Possibly a forced induction M3 because um, according, according to sources well-placed with, uh, within M, uh, M has given up on naturally aspirated V8 motors uh, because they can't get them to be efficient within a price point. Could you imagine that? Yeah, it's almost like they basically said, listen, we can't, we can't, uh, we, we admit we're not wizards and we don't know magic and... So we're dropping the V8. We can't well, magically they, make this thing produce more miles per gallon. They, um, they, they can. They, they can. They've been investigating if they can continue to use naturally aspirated engines uh, for, for these M3s. And uh, it's just not financially feasible at this point because, I mean, they could build an F1 motor realistically mm-hmm. and get decent fuel economy. But uh, it's just not, not cost efficient. And uh, quote, unquote, the... The fact that you can get the performance and the torque and the drivability out of a turbo is just much better. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, no question about it. So so here's the thing, though. So this next generation M3, the first one out of the gate, which is a bit of a shock, is going to be the four-door. Yes, the F80. And, and interestingly, um, that was even rumored not to, not to happen. And if you look very closely at the spy shot, somebody's mentioned this, but the, but the front of this thing, the F80, um, is going to have a different, looks like it's different headlights and enti- clearly different fascia and everything else. But it looks like the headlights are actually going to be quite a bit different. Headlights are going to be different. And, uh, well, for, for starters, they were testing four motors from what I have been informed or was informed. They were testing four motors, a naturally aspirated V8, a turbo V8, a naturally aspirated um, a turbo inline six, rather, and a turbo V6. So they have eliminated the naturally aspirated V8. Um, it, it seems like they're, you know, they don't want to go V6, but for performance and packaging and other reasons, that that's probably what's going to happen, I would imagine. Um, mm-hmm. Just, just, just understanding what's what's kind of going on behind the scenes and um it, it'll be it'll be interesting but yes you're right the front end should the front fascia should be different it's not necessarily going to be based on a production car like the current one is mm-hmm. um and the coupe and the sedan will be significantly different and as you can see that they came up with their own naming so mm-hmm. it's not it's not F30M, it's F80. Yeah. And from what I've uh, accumulated is that basically with the F10M5, they replaced somewhere around 85% of what goes into the chassis. Mm-hmm. So there's only uh, bits and pieces hanging out here. 
So instead of like looking at each part that's already on the car and saying, oh, can we use this and, you know, torture testing it, right. they're basically starting from scratch. And then they say, oh, well, that part will fit. We'll use that, doing it that way rather than eliminating every single part. So it's going to speed up production time. It'll save them money in the long run, and you're going to get a better team product. I'm I'm just fascinated to see what this is actually going to look like. I mean, it sounds like we we know that M has talked about in the press, no less, talked about building a bespoke car with its own chassis. But I mean, not going to happen. So yeah, so it it sounds like it's they want to, but maybe not happen. But I mean, in a way. It's not its own chassis, but I mean, they're kind of doing that with the next generation M3. I mean, aside from the chassis and certain interior components that they would be foolish not to use, I mean, this is a different car. Yes, in that sense, it absolutely, you're 100% correct. Yeah, but I mean, M has been on... doing that for, for years. I mean, even the 1M, as we as we have, have, have learned, which seems like a parts bin car, is, is a very different car than the 1 Series. Obviously, the current M3 is much more so. This one goes even further. From what I understand. Yes, it, it will be a step in a completely different direction as far as that goes. But, you know, the interesting thing is, is that M actually has built bespoke cars uh, through individual because M is in charge of individual and like the CRT and the GTS were never board approved. They never were green lighted. They didn't have to go through that whole presentation process and get everybody to sign off on the design and all that wonderful stuff. They started out as customer projects. Somebody approached them and said, build me this car and built the, you know, did the R&D developed the car for a customer and then after they went to market you know they they the development you know got the attention with the car um then they realized that hey we should just build 25 of these and we'll sell 25 of them and then you know they got 50 orders so they built 50 of them and then it, it kept escalating and then you know they're building those in-house they're not on our production line they don't come out of say dinglefinger you know for well the m the uh, m3 would come out of regensburg mm -hmm. it's not coming from there it's coming from Garshing, it's it's made by M, you know. So they're able to do things like that. So in the future, I think we'll see more of that until um, that loophole is closed. It's almost like they found a loophole to build whatever product they felt like they could could get away with. So yeah, and I mean, the, as far as as far as the M3 will go, it will have the same exact diff and probably the same exact you know rear end as the M5, and that is why you see this mule with this giant. Uh, you know, fender flare similar to how the 1M was developed with huge fender flares in the rear um, because they took parts from the M3. So you can kind of see where they're going with that. They, they, well, they my, learned something. My question something. is then what's going to end up in the M2? The M2? I mean, these are, <laughs> well, the other benefit of them doing it this way is they can scale things. Mm -hmm. You know, they're, they're, they can make scalable products. So they can actually shorten things. And, and that's one of the kind of neat, neat features they have now is, uh, is if, if you look at the pictures I, I posted earlier on the M5 and if you look at the rear, uh, which I happened to convince an engineer uh, to put up on a lift and let us take some shots of, uh, it's it's pretty intriguing how they have that. And uh, obviously for each chassis, they're going to have to do a little bit different work here, there, and everywhere. But for testing purposes, they can just throw an M5 rear end in a car. Mm-hmm. You know, bolt it up solid because that's what they're doing. They're solid mounting and, mm -hmm. and kind of do it that way and, and just to work on other port points of interest, you know, torsional rigidity and stuff like that. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's really cool. It's going to be a 
fairly quick developed car for M. Um, I wouldn't expect to see it take too long to develop, in all honesty. So it's it's winter now, or it will be soon, so the, the ring is almost closed. So you've got to figure that they've still got quite a bit of ring development work to do next spring and summer. So based on all of that, I'm just going to throw out spring of 2013. That would be a really great guess, and I would not expect it to be any much. And I wouldn't expect it later than either. Yeah, that's one thing that that I learned with the one M in talking to engineers at, at M is the fact that um, <laughs> the when basically when the ring closes, their development slows down. I mean, it goes inside, so to speak, and it, it becomes very much about the electrics and, and, and everything else. Um, yeah, when the ring is open, they're developing yeah. the car actively. Well, and then the other cool thing, Gabe, I learned is that BMW Motorsport and BMW M are, um, you know, there's been rumors that they were kind of separate. Um, and they recently kind of announced that they've always been talking, but they're more closely working together now. The... GT4 M3 actually uses an M-produced motor, as does the GT3 uh, race car, the Z4. Uh, they're built by M. And um, the two of them are actually currently developing a project of theirs to build a full-on race car that will cost less than 100,000 euros a season, a yeah. season That's to race. That's incredible. Which is sensational. And more than likely, that will be based on the 1M. I was going to say that sounds a lot like a small M product that we know. Yes. That is going to be very interesting, and I cannot wait to hear more about that, that car. Should be a good time. So we are officially wrapped, I think. I mean, this is, I know it's a bit of a marathon show um, over an hour, but, you know, we had a lot to talk about. And frankly, I think we still do. Um, so we're going to try to do this, I think, a little bit more often again. Uh, we're kind of getting our schedules worked out and um, certainly look for us more often on, on the, uh, the, the website, but uh, yeah, anything, anything we want to, you want to leave the fine ladies and gentlemen in the uh, internet world with Michael? <laughs> uh, no, just stay tuned. Lots of cool things happening. We got a five series hybrid coming soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, Three series F3. hybrid coming soon. Three series hybrid coming fall of 2012, yeah. Um, yeah. And there's a couple of other surprises coming very soon. I can just tell you that. Well, with that, um, questions, comments, concerns, suggestions, give us a quick uh, give us a quick email through the contact form on bigmanfile.com. And if you'd like to give us a, a rating on iTunes, we, we fully support that. If you'd like to give us a review, we fully support that as well. But uh, in the meantime, appreciate you listening, and we will be back very, very shortly. Cheers. Awesome.